Does anyone know who is considered to be the world's strongest person? Linda Purvis, right here. Uh, Linda, you're number two. Number two. His name is Halfpoor Julius Bjornsson from Iceland. And if anyone here is of an Icelandic background, I apologize because I'm sure I messed that name all up. Okay, uh, That's what it's looked like to me. We'll just call him Bjornsson. I think that sounds good. He is 29 years old. He is 6 foot 9 inches tall and weighs 440 pounds. And just in case you're interested, he has 1.3 million followers on Facebook. I don't care, but somebody may. So I bring that out. Um, he, he's not only big and strong, but he's an actor. If any of you happen to watch the Game of Thrones series on HBO, and you know that there's a character in that show called The Mountain? That's Bjornsson. And I always thought, you know, you'd see, you'd see uh, something about the show and they would show this guy. He's like the bodyguard of the queen. And they would show this guy and I think, oh man, they must be using camera angles or something because he's like mammoth compared to normal-sized human beings. And so they must have him really padded up and, and really make him look so much bigger. They don't. <laughs> this guy's just mammoth. He's huge. And not only was he an actor, he played basketball for four years for Iceland. Now, I want you to picture this, people. A 440-pound basketball player. Shaq came in at about 360. So we're talking some guy 80 pounds heavier than Shaquille O'Neal was. 
Now, I'm trying to imagine this. I'm playing basketball. I'm a point guard out here. I'm, dri- I'm, I'm dribbling around. I'm, I'm kind of juking my guy. And I go around and I see the basket, so I'm driving to the hole. And Bjornsson plays center. So here he is, standing in the center, and here I come around the side, and all he has to do is, <laughs> and I, bam, <laughs> and I'm laying on the floor going, eh, and the ref comes over and goes, charging foul, and I'm like, what? I ran into a brick wall, and you're calling a foul on me? I mean, I... I can't imagine it. He got his title of the world's strongest man by winning the competition, World's Strongest Man. Are you familiar with that? They have this competition every year. I think it was back in May, back in the spring. And not only is, did he win World's Strongest Man, he won Europe's Strongest Man and the prestigious title of World's Strongest Viking. Yeah, I think that's an Icelandic thing. World's strongest Viking. Now here's my favorite part. He, he won the title World's Strongest Viking by breaking a record that had stood for 1,000 years. 1,000 years. There is a legendary Icelander named, oh, I'm going to do it again, um, Orm Storfelsson. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's right. Orm Storfelsen. And the story is that there was a ship's mast that needed to be moved. This ship's mast weighed 1,320 pounds. It took 50 men just to lift it. And Orm Storfelsen, Storfel, Storfel, Orm uh, got under this beam, put it on his shoulders, and walked three steps with it. After the third step, his back broke from the enormous weight. But to, to honor that feat, that, the carrying of an enormous log became part of world's greatest Viking competition. And no one had ever managed to carry a log of that weight anywhere until Bjornsson came along. Now get this. He managed to carry a log that weighed 1,433 pounds, five steps. In fact, it's so amazing I want to show it to you. Let's show it to him.
Isn't that great? Can you imagine a guy 6'9", 440 pounds coming at you going, ah! You know, I'd be running. I'd just be running. <laughs> and I guarantee you, we're the only church in town where you're going to see that. You need to understand, we, I, I'm all about, you know, culture, pop culture, and keeping you up on important things. So, so you, you heard it here. If you go out to lunch and you see people from other churches say, do you know who the world's strongest man is? Our preacher told us. Yeah. But you know, as impressive and massive as Bjornsson is... He is nothing compared to our God. I wanted to point him out because, you know, if we had to pick a champion of humanity and say, send us the strongest person you have, we could send out Bjornsson. Say he's the world's strongest man. But compared to God, nothing. Nothing. And I, I, what triggered all this was uh, I was reading an article about the names of God. It's interesting. In the Old Testament, uh, in the Hebrew language, they don't just have one name for God. You know, we just call him God. But they had many names for God. And what they would do is they would use the word Yahweh, which means the Lord, and then they would attach another word to it that was descriptive of him. And I came across one Yahweh Suri. Yahweh Suri. It's actually spelled T-S-U-R-I. The T silent. Yahweh Suri. And, it, and the word Suri means rock. So this title for God is the Lord Rock. And that got me thinking about strength, about durability, about something that you can depend on. And that is our God. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, uh, they used rocks for everything. Uh, when we got to go to Israel, we, we learned the truth of this fact. There are a gazillion rocks and very few trees in Israel. That's why in the ancient world, and even today, if they want to build something, you're going to build it out of rocks, out of stones. They built their homes out of stones. When they wanted to build a temple to the glory of God, they built it out of stone. When they wanted to build an altar to offer their sacrifices within the temple, they built it out of stone. When God wanted to give his commandments to his people, he inscribed them on stone. 142 times the word rock appears in the Bible. And in most of them, they are using it to refer to God, something about the nature of God. And so I got into this. So I wanted to see 
how the word rock refers to God. What can we learn about God from the symbolism of a rock? This is for you, Garland. Do you remember this? I mean, it may be 20 years ago. Garland and I had a very profound conversation about rocks. You remember that? We did. In fact, if you talk to Garland, you learn a lot of things. He has, he has profound ideas. And we, uh, we talked about rocks. And when I read this, I'm thinking, I'm going to do this for Garland Antrim. Yeah. First of all, I found that a rock symbolizes strength and faithfulness. Strength and faithfulness. Uh, I've got a lot of scriptures I'm going to throw at you. I don't have one single scripture reading for you to look up. We're just going to use a bunch of them, okay? Uh, Isaiah 26, 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does not no wrong, upright and just is he. That comes from Deuteronomy 32. And you see, the idea of those verses is that God is something that is strong and that is dependable and durable. He's always been here. He's here now. He will always be here. You know, rocks symbolize endurance and durability. If you build something out of wood, eventually it's either going to rot or decay, bugs are going to get into it, it's going to get damaged, you're going to have to replace things. Uh, but when they built structures out of stone, they last. I mean, that was one of the neatest parts when we went to Israel and we stood there at the west wall of the temple and they could tell us, do you see those rocks? Jesus looked at those rocks. That was the temple wall that was there 2,000 years ago. And barring some disaster, people 2,000 years from now may be going to Israel and saying, see those rocks? Jesus Christ looked at those rocks. They're enduring. And so is our God. And we need to know that because uh, that song you just sang, uh, all other ground is sinking sand. Isn't that true? The things of this world are sinking sand. There are, there's just nothing in this world that you can absolutely depend on or count on. But you can God. You can count on his word. You can count on his promises. He is the Lord my rock. Rocks also symbolize uh, safety and shelter. Uh, this is in Psalm 71.3. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. 2 Samuel 22 says the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock 
in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. Boy, did you hear all those words getting thrown out there? He's a refuge, he's a fortress, he's a shield, he's a stronghold. And those things may not have the same meaning to us as they would have those who lived in that day because back then everything was made out of rock. They made fortresses out of rock. They would build a refuge out of rock. When they wanted something for protection, you built it out of rock because the enemy couldn't knock it down. The enemy couldn't burn it. They either had to go around it or go over it. Or I guess they could dig under it. But they weren't going through it because it was rock. Do you know that rocks could even provide shade? You know, think about this. In, in Israel, there's a lot of wilderness. And as I said, there's very few trees. And it can get very hot in, in the heat of the day. And if you were out and you needed some respite from the heat, you couldn't go find a shade tree to sit under. You would go find a big rock. And if the sun's shining from that direction, you would get behind the rock on this direction where there would be a patch of shade. And you could sit and you could lean against the rock because there was a coolness to it on the shady side. That's what God wants us to understand. He is our refuge. He is our shady spot. When life turns up the heat, go to him. When you've got more to deal with than you know how to deal with, go to him. When you need a place to rest your weary soul, go to him. Because he is the rock. Rock also symbolizes God's salvation and deliverance. Psalm 62, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. Psalm 78, they remembered that God was their rock, that God most high was their redeemer. When they needed a savior, they turned to the Lord my rock. And if God is the rock, what does that say about the Son of God, Jesus Christ? He's a rock. We had a song when I was at church camp, Jesus is the rock and he rolls my blues away. Isn't that great? I could sing it for you. Well, I'm getting that. Don's over here going. All right, yeah, I just won't. I just won't. You'll, you'll, you'll regret this. You'll look back and say, we could have heard Roger sing that song. We could have. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, th there's nothing in this world that can save us. 
If our problem is our sinful human nature, and that's a part of this world, where in this world can you turn? Now, there's a lot of people out there that think if you follow their way, if you live the life that they tell you to, if you read their book, if you follow their plan, then you'll have the best life, but you won't if God's not in it. It's like a person drowning. Say, I'm, I'm drowning, and you come along in a boat. Say, do you need help? Yeah, I'm drowning. I can't swim. And you say, neither can I. And you jump in by me. <laughs> so we're both flashing around in the water, and I say, why did you do that? Well, I thought you needed help. You couldn't throw me a rope? I mean, what, it does me no good that you are here drowning with me. But that's what's happening in our world today. People are depending on things that cannot save them. Only Christ is the rock. The rock of our salvation. Now, all those things are, are positive. You know, it speaks of strength and faithfulness, uh, safety and rest. It speaks of uh, salvation and deliverance. You know, those are all good things. We all want those things. But there's another aspect of the Lord, my rock, that I would be remiss if I did not tell you about. Rocks could also be used... In a negative way. Rocks were often used in the ancient world as weapons. Uh, many times the Israelites, when they would have one of their rebellions against the Roman Empire, and you know the Romans are in armor, and their shields, and their spears, and their swords, and they had all this, and many times the rebels, uh, the Jewish rebels, didn't have that stuff. So what they would do is get up on high ground and make the Romans come after them. And when they came after them, they would reach down and pick up the biggest rock they could lift and throw it at them. They would use rocks to try to defend themselves. When Goliath marched out on the battlefield and David went against him, what was his weapon? A rock. Actually, it was more of a little stone. <laughs> but he killed him with a rock. In Jesus' day, if someone committed what was considered a capital offense, how did they execute judgment on that person? They stoned them to death. They picked up rocks and threw them at them until they died. Rocks can be used in a hard way, in a bad way. And so the, a rock, saying the Lord my rock, it can also symbolize God's judgment and punishment against sin. In 1 Peter 2, it says, See, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone. He's referring to Jesus there. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. A stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that will make them fall.
Jesus came to lift us up out of our sinfulness and save us forever. But if we refuse and reject that salvation, then he becomes not the rock of my salvation, but the rock of my judgment. You know, you can do two things with rock. You can use it as a stepping stone to go higher. Or you can trip over it and fall on your face. And that's what Peter's getting at in that scripture. He said, you know, in this world, people want religion, but they ignore the source of true faith, Jesus Christ. People talk about wanting to be spiritual. They want spirituality in their life. But they ignore the one who is the source of God's spirit. They want love and joy and peace and all those blessings. But they ignore the one who is the source of those blessings. And the Bible is very clear. That Christ is either going to be your Savior or He is going to be your downfall. <laughs> He's going to be the rock to which you can cling, or He is going to be the stumbling stone that takes you down. I want to close with one more scripture Philippians 2 9 to 11. Paul is describing Jesus, and he says, God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What Paul wants us to understand is that someday, each and every person will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. But the difference is, will you proclaim it as the source of your salvation, as the rock of your salvation? Or will you proclaim it in despair that you ignored him, that you rejected him? that you lived your whole life on this earth, and it's not until you stand before him and realize, I was wrong. I was wrong. I hope you'll come to the rock. The Lord, my rock, wants to save you, who wants to help you, who wants to be with you in your times of need and of trouble. The rock to which you can hold on when the storms of life come. Because he is the Lord, my rock. Let us pray. God, I am so grateful that your people had different names for you. That they understood that God... You could not be described by just one word or one name. And so they created many. And there's a richness to each and every one of them. And Lord, today we praise you that you are the Lord, my rock. 
We need a rock. We do live in a world of sinking sand, and we need a rock to hold on to. And I pray that each and every one who is yet to name Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, instead of stumbling over the rock of Christ, would use him as a stepping stone to rise up in their relationship with you, to rise up into eternity with you in heaven. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you know the Lord my rock? He certainly knows you. And every week we take a moment to have what we call a time of invitation. If there is someone here who is ready to claim the rock, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to receive you here. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to walk you through what we call a confession of faith that simply is a way of expressing, I believe in Jesus as my Savior. We can arrange for your baptism, and you can tie your life to the rock of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together and sing hymn number 67, verses 1 and 3. And I invite you to come. Say